Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Part number two of our 2016 Chicago Bears preview show. And uh, part number one, we had fun with Jeff Dickerson doing uh, – over-unders and doing some position battle conversation and then uh, covered a whole bunch of stuff in that first half of the conversation with Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com. This one, we finish off our talk with Lauren about, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff, talking about the Bears. And, yes, I do ask about the Color Rush uniforms uh, once again. So, yeah, I I asked everybody about the damn Color Rush because it's just awful. I This is my crusade that I'm on to try to get rid of this abomination of football uniforms so i do ask him about the color rush we do cover that and then uh we have our friend ron rug from football is america on to do bold predictions uh at the end of the show so without further ado here's part number two of my conversation with lauren cox from bearswire.com previewing our beloved chicago bears <laughs> now you mentioned something interesting earlier when we're talking about adam gase and you know, how about, you know, how he may sometimes at times get a little too much credit for how well the season went from, you know, when when the offense actually was in the bottom third again, as far as the statistics were concerned. Um, you said, you know, the Matt Forte show is what you said. And and no one's really talking about how having Matt Forte not be in the lineup could actually be a blessing in disguise because Jonathan John Fox's M.O., throughout his time in Denver and especially in Carolina with with Stewart and and Williams has always been you can never have too many good running backs type thing you know you just get the guy get you know different guys there's always fresh legs uh carrying the ball and it would certainly look like that's where we're headed now with Langford you know being as good as he was last year Kadeem Carey like you said shined in his minor opportunities last year and then we go out and we draft uh Howard uh, in the fifth round uh, this year, and in what many people think could be our, our the, the steal of the draft for the Bears, being able to get Howard in that fifth round, and 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 giving the Bears a very interesting at the at the very least an interesting running back core. Yeah, you know, I think the Howard pick really is gonna really gonna prove valuable in the near future. I think you know that's the kind of thing where maybe they didn't sit there and say, oh, we really need to get a running back, so. Let's let's take him here. It was more like, oh, this running back we really like is still there in the four, in the fifth round. I mean, we just had three fourth round picks and we got all these defenders, and now we're sitting in the fifth round. Like, oh, there's this really good running back. So let's take him and add him to the backfield because, like you said, you can never have too many good young runners back there. And I think it's important that you know, like you said, with the different with the way that John Fox keeps fresh legs, it doesn't really matter who the quote unquote starter is because you're gonna see a lot of multiple running backs all year. So you know, maybe Langford does end up as the starter and he gets. You know, he's he's the number one running back, but we'll see Jordan Howard in those short yardage situations, and we'll see Kadeem Carey in a lot of his own situations. And I think Dowell Loggins will focus on trying to find out exactly what these players' strengths are and using them on those situations to their advantage to try and find the best opportunities for them because there will be so many limited opportunities for three talented running backs. Now, do you do you think that the tight end position is going to be okay this year? I mean, we have a steep drop-off as far as Martellus Bennett and Zach Miller. Now it's Zach Miller and a cast of characters, and even a converted defensive lineman. You know, I mean, what do you think our prospects are at tight end this year? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still pretty concerned about this position just because Zach Miller. You know, he, he, the big thing was his injury problems, and he he stayed healthy for 15 games last year. But I'm not necessarily confident that those are behind him. I mean, he he went over the the 30 hump too. I think he's 31 now. And he'll turn 32 during the season. So you start to wonder that if he had those injury problems when he was younger and his body was supposed to be in the best shape of his life, now that he's getting older, if he's going to be able to hang up. And behind him, it's a lot of guys that, you know, there's things to like, but there's not a lot of production. There's not a lot of solid, we know what we have with this player. I mean, Tony Moyaki, certainly, he's kind of in the Zach Miller boat now. I mean, I like, I like that they added him late in the process because he's, when he's healthy, he's a starting level tight end. I mean, if he, if he can come back and be 100%, and Miller's 100%, then I think you're going to be fine. But 
You know, I, I also like what they have in Ben Broniker, the undrafted free agent from Harvard. And I'm a big fan of Rob Hausler that they, they added late last year from the Arizona Cardinals. I think he can be sort of that number two, at least initially. And, I don't, you know, it remains to be seen if he can be the number two that Zach Miller has been in the last couple of years. But I think he can at least hold that down and be a little bit better than some of the number twos they had before behind Martellus Bennett. Now, do you think we're ever going to figure out this thing at safety? I mean, we've kind of had a swinging gait ever since Mike Brown started hurting himself. Um, you know, we've we've kind of had this revolving door of guys coming in and out, and every guy that seems to find that spot tends to just be the placeholder for the year. I mean, do have the Bears drafted their safety of the future or just the guy who's going to be our safety in 2016? I think both, and it might not be the same person. You know, I, I, like, I, I think the future of the position is on the roster, but I just don't know – if they will be able to fully establish themselves in 2016 or not. I mean, what Adrian Amos did last year as a fifth-round pick, I think people don't realize how remarkable that was and how rare that was, that a safety of fifth-round pick can come out and start 16 games and play at an extremely high level. And I don't think it's fair to expect either Deion Bush or DeAndre Houston Carson to be able to do that. So I think it's going to end up with Harold Jones-Corte as the starting safety this year. And, you know, maybe he keeps that job in the future or maybe Deion Bush or DeAndre Houston Carson can overtake him in the future. But it just kind of seems like if, if, DeAndre, if DeAndre Houston Carson or Deion Bush is the future of the safety position, they might not be ready right away. But one way or another, one of these three guys is probably the guy for the future. Well, that gives me a little bit more. I can sleep at night knowing that. If the, you know, that's that's a pretty good answer. Um, there might be some bumps along the way, but that's that's to be expected. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the the whole roster is kind of being overhauled uh, at the moment. And and speaking of which, you know, do you share the same opinion that I do on Pace's dealings in in free agency? I mean, he's he's always he's been very upfront since the beginning that he very much intends this to be a team that builds through the draft and and his 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 actions in free agency very much back that up because even our prize free agent signing uh Danny Trevathan only got a four-year deal he's not putting a lot of uh, time and resources into these guys because he expects you know Nick Kwiatkowski to be the inside linebacker of the future a couple years down the line and you know the the the, the Dion Dion Bushes and, and so on to be the the free safeties and, and things like that I mean I mean in, in in instead of going out and paying 90 million dollars for Malik Jackson we gave Akeem Hicks 10 million dollars to play for us for the next two years and things like that you know do, do you think that that's why he's doing what he's doing that he's going after the guys that he's going after yeah, I mean, certainly there's a reason that the Bears still have over $20 million in cap space right now. I mean, July 22nd, that's, that seems to be, at least in recent years, that's been unheard of in Chicago. But I think I think you're totally right. I think he's saving it to sort of, you know, as he's been building through his own, they've been saving all this money by relying on draft picks and undrafted free agents that they're able to identify as high-talent players that can contribute right away. And so they're not having to pay any of these players a lot of money because they're on their rookie contract. So he's kind of just pocketing and saying, okay, we're going to have to pay Kyle Long a boatload of money when his free agency is up. We're going to maybe pay Alshon Jeffrey next year. Maybe uh, Willie Young's looking for an extension. And, you know, let's not forget that the, the guaranteed money in Jay Cutler's seven-year contract is mostly running out after this year. It, it goes down to about $3 million next year and then $2 million the year after. So he's not necessarily tied in. So they could look to sort of renegotiate that and bring some of that future salary money into current guaranteed money that goes against the cap now so it would free up more cap space in the future. But, you know... <laughs> The signings that he made this offseason were really just so impressive in, in how cheap they were. I mean, Skip Bayless from ESPN got a bigger contract from Fox than Danny Trevathan <laughs> did from the Bears. Skip got four years, $26 million. Trevathan got four years, 24 and a half. So, I mean, like, that, that, that should be the barometer right there. They got both of these linebackers on an absolute steal. I think Akeem Hicks is going to prove to be a very good deal, and he didn't really need to go out and do much more than that. I mean, he tried to sign a couple tight ends, tried to sign uh, – C.J. Anderson from the Denver Broncos, but right. you know he wasn't—he was never going to throw huge money at these guys. I mean, I'm sure he inquired about Malik Jackson, and then when Jackson told him a number, he just hung up the phone. So yeah. <laughs> he's just—he's saving the cap space because he doesn't have to spend it now. And eventually, once these young players start to grow on their own and, and they start to earn bigger contracts, you're going to see the cap space go down. And you're going to see some tough decisions to be made about you know which of these guys do we pay. But hopefully. If, if you're getting those decisions, then you've had a lot of winning and a lot of success along the way because those younger players have been playing so well. Yeah, because um, you know I've I've been um, 
interviewing writers and such on the show the last couple of years and the and my Packers guy from from SB Nation, you know, when we get to the free agent portion of the discussion, it's a hey, you guys signed one player or you signed no one this year. Let's move on. You know, and it's that's uh you know, and I actually learned from Pace in a press conference from Ryan Pace that the Packers were a team that last year the the famous stat was of the forty eight people on the roster 47 of them have played for the Packers their entire career and the one person that hadn't was Julius Peppers so he's like that's kind of, that's what we're trying to do here that's what we want to have we want to have all homegrown talent that don't know any other organization but our own and these are the guys that we want to have on and that's what we're trying to build here and like like we mentioned uh you know with Trevathan only getting 24 million Akeem Hicks only got 10 Jarrell Freeman got 12 million dollars it's like it also kind of speaks to to them, to, to Fox and to Pace, like these guys must really be making one hell of a pitch if they could go out and probably get more money somewhere else. Like I I believe Indianapolis offered more money than, than the Bears did, but he signed with the Bears instead of staying with Indianapolis, and I think that says a lot about Pace and Fox and the pitch that they're making to these players. Yeah, I mean, it's it was so weird that you have a 6-10 and 10 team that players really wanted to come to. We talked to Demontre Hurst on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and he said, or a couple months ago now, and he said that uh, the Cardinals' safety that was a free agent, um, now I'm spacing on his name, one of the one of the Cardinals' safeties that he knew that he went to college with at Oklahoma, he was asking him about the Bears. He said, "Oh man, you know, I'm I'm kind of interested in coming to you guys and and leaving the 13 and three, you know, NFC or, or NFC Championship game playing Arizona Cardinals to come to the Chicago Bears because you know he's heard about this team." And you know all the things. It was Rashad Johnson. That's who it was. Um, okay. Uh, or no, you know it wasn't. It was. I'm looking and I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Rashad Johnson. It was. It was some. It was, there was one of the, somebody. Oh, Tony Jefferson. That's right. Uh, Tony Jefferson, because he went to Oklahoma with Demontre Hurst, and and so Tony Jefferson. He, you know he 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 started quite a few games last year and had some picks and all that, and he was a good safety. And he's calling Demontre Hurst this offseason after Dan Trevathan signed and Gerald Freeman signed. He's like, hey man. Tell me about Vic Fangio. Tell me about Ed Donatel. Tell me about this coaching staff. Tell me about the team. I'd really like to come there. But, you know, it didn't end up working out because the Bears weren't interested and he ended up signing somewhere else. But it's just it's just crazy to me that Drew Freeman takes less money. Danny Trevathan comes here for less money than the Green Bay Packers would have potentially offered him. And there's just something about John Fox and the pitch that they make, like you said, that this 6-10 and 10 team has a, a bright green arrow pointing up and, they're, they should be destined for bigger and better things in 2017 and beyond. Yeah, because I, I went I went on on Facebook. I remember after the Redskins signed Josh Norman, and they gave him forty fifty million guaranteed or whatever it was. And for all the guaranteed money that it took to sign him, the Bears got Trevathan and Freeman and Hicks and you know a couple of other guys just before we're even getting close to that fifty million as far as guaranteed money is concerned. So you know it's. It's amazing that these guys can make a pitch to, to people that have never been a part of this team before, but they believe in what the, that, that Pace and Fox are selling so deeply that they're turning away other organizations to come here and, in, in a lot of ways, taking less money that they could get in, in other places. I was just kind of blown away by the fact when I started seeing the signings come in, one right after the other, and the, and the places that they were coming from. They're coming from Denver. They're coming from Indianapolis. Coming from New England. These were all playoff teams last year. Well, not not Indianapolis, but still, you know, these are all places that have been successful. And recently, to a team that's been to the playoffs once in the last eight years, and people are pushing each other out of the way to get here, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, and you mentioned the Josh Norman thing. I, it reminded me that they had been so interested in him, and it was kind of this surprising thing that didn't seem like. Ryan Pace. I mean, they the Bears were right up in there with the negotiations for him. They weren't offering as much money as the other teams were, but they gave him a final pitch, and they were they were certainly in the consideration towards the end with Josh Norman. And it, it seemed like that that didn't fit what Ryan Pace's mantra has been as far as you know. They had the money for it, but it, they didn't seem like they were out there looking to go out and nab this big name free agent. But then he came out on the market. And they said, "Oh, sure, let's let's try it," just because of the familiarity. But it. It, it just kind of throws off the, the Ryan Pace idea in my head just a little bit that he was so interested in Josh Norman because I could easily see that happening where Norman goes on the market. He says, ah, we're happy with the guys we have and let's just grow the talent we have. But he was pretty keen on trying to get on Josh Norman at, you know, at the right price, certainly. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely uh, it was interesting to hear that the Bears were in the mix, but not surprising at all to hear that they fell out of it, you know, uh, right there towards the end, when, uh, especially when you heard what it was that uh, Washington finally, uh, finally ended up giving him. Yeah, they, um, they, can, they can take that. He, they earned it. Yeah, let, let them go ahead and, and uh, do that. So um, one other, you know, a couple other things I wanted to go with, uh, with you here was um, I was reading some reports a couple weeks back during OTAs and things like that um, that I found really interesting. And it actually got me pretty excited about what could be ahead um, in, uh, in training camp was the way that Loggins and Fangio were competing with each other uh, in, in OTAs, the way that they were kind of jawing back and forth and, you know, it was like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. It's like, oh, sorry, sorry about that. And then Fangio went ahead and did something he wasn't supposed to be doing, like blitzing on, on a certain down or something something like that. I mean, it, th- it sounds like these two guys going at it with each other is definitely going to raise the level of competition in, in, uh, in camp and everything, and that can only lead to good things uh, going forward, I think. Yeah, and, you know, it just occurred to me that we didn't hear about any of that with Adam Gase before. So you have to wonder if there's, you know, not that that makes a big difference in your offensive coordinator, but you have to wonder if it builds a little bit more of that team chemistry that way when you know it's, you know, it's a friendly competition with your offense against the, their defense. And, you know, you can see the coaches are both getting into it and it kind of just riles you up a little more as a player to make you practice that much harder. And if you practice that much harder over and over again, you can get to be a much better team than you were in the past if you're really putting in just that extra effort every day. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm also hearing things like that from from Trevathan. He's talking talking trash across the line uh, to the offense and everything. I mean, he's making it a game every day in practice, which is only going to up the the competition level. And I'm really liking the things that I'm hearing so far from the team and what they've been able to do, uh, especially on the defense. It just makes me excited, especially as I unfortunately, dude, I have not been excited to watch the Bears play defense in a long time, and I can't wait to see them play defense this year. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you there 100%. Uh, I don't know if you saw the recent interview Kyle Long did with Dan Weeder of uh, the Chicago Tribune, but he was saying how this defense is so good at practice that it's it's really frustrating the offense. that they. It seems like the defense is just a step faster and a little bit stronger at, at every opportunity, and it's it's hard for them to... To, you know to get through that because it's just it's much more challenging than it was in the past and he was saying how he thinks opposing offenses are going to have a lot of trouble because they're just having trouble with it during you know easy uh, scripted things at practice so in a real game these guys are going to be monsters and we haven't really heard that about a Bears defense since even not even in the, some of the late years of Lovey Smith it's when they started to go a little bit downhill so I mean it's been it's been a long time but it, it it'll be nice when it finally comes all right so we're going to get down to our last two questions here um First question is um, looking at the schedule. I mean, obviously, it's not the schedule from hell that was last year. The AFC West, the NFC West, two of the toughest divisions in football. Um, you know, not to mention we had to play the Packers twice and uh, and everything else in between. This year, we had two of the worst divisions in football from last year: the AFC South, the NFC East. We get Tampa Bay and San Francisco again. Record-wise, we have like the third easiest schedule in football this year. How do you see it turning out for the Bears, wins and losses? Oh, man. I'm not a big fan of wins and losses in July, but if you, yeah. if you want me to give you a number, I mean, I, I have to see them in the 10-11 range right now. It's just hard for me to not be optimistic about the talent head of this team. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get gelled and put together, but I think the way this season kind of lines up, especially coming out of that bye week, you got Buccaneers, Giants, Titans, 49ers, Lions. I mean, if they could start getting on a roll there, that can carry you into the playoffs a little bit if, if, if they're in that position, assuming they can stay healthy. But there's not a lot of teams on this schedule that look like, oh, man, Bears are going to lose that one for sure. I mean, I don't know if there are any that stand out as a definite loss in the way that they have in the past. I mean, even Houston week one, J.J. Watt's got that back surgery now, so he's kind of questionable. And everywhere along the list, I mean, the Green Bay Packers are probably – the most talented team on paper on the schedule, and it's been a while since I think we've been able to say that pretty confidently. Speaking of Green Bay, that is my other question. Uh, week number seven, the Bears are playing Thursday night football at Green Bay. Now, number one, I hate Thursday night football, um, and I know the players have to hate it as well. You get, especially for the Bears, to play Green Bay on a Thursday night, so we only get two and a half days to get ready for the best team in our division. I mean, but throw that aside i'm going to make it a clean sweep of all my guests on the show i have asked everyone 
about the color rush uniforms. Your thoughts on the color rush uniforms and your thoughts on Green Bay wearing yellow from head to toe in the color rush game week seven. I'm not a big fan of the color rush uniforms. I just think they they look almost like not tacky, but maybe hokey. And just like I, they, they, I haven't had to see one that I was really like, oh yeah. I mean, the Jaguars one was decent, but I mean, it's the the all solid color just looked. I mean, it looks like a jumpsuit almost. And I mean, I I don't know if they could pick a worse possible all jersey color than yellow. I mean, I would have done all green if I was trying to do the Packers, but they're just gonna look silly out there. I think. I mean, they're just gonna be bright you know, in the middle of the field at night and. I mean, like I said, like I agree with you that Thursday against the Packers is never ideal. Although it worked out pretty well on Thanksgiving last year, so I can't complain too much. But yeah, you're right. Not looking forward to these color rushes, and but I'm just glad the Bears aren't going to be all orange. That would have been worse. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that because so many of my listeners give me a hard time because I come out and adamantly say. I hated those pumpkin orange jerseys that the Bears used to wear. I absolutely hated it because they used and they 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 substitute them with the throwback uniforms now, which I actually the, those are those aren't bad at all. But those na- those orange pumpkin jerseys they used to wear them twice a year. I hated those jerseys, and I used to get hell all the time from my listeners, you know, complaining about me complaining about it, and to have to watch them on a color rush game on national television, wear orange from head to toe. I mean, I lost sleep that night when I when I saw that the, the first the color rush key that came out had the Bears wearing orange. I mean, I had nightmares about it. You know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the the orange at all, but I. I at least I liked that better than the idea of all orange. I'm okay with the orange jersey and the white pants as long as you get the white pants in there. But like like you said, I like those the new throwbacks that are the darker blue with the with the orange that sticks out a little bit more and, and that different right. font. Those are real sharp, I think. But yeah, too much orange on on pretty much any of the other combinations. It's it's a nice accent color, but it can't be the primary, you know. Amen, amen to that. And uh, you know, it 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 makes me wonder. You know, I've I've talked to. 15 people uh most of which are from other teams it's like you and jeff dickerson obviously the bears but i've talked to every single one of the bears upcoming opponents this year so that's 13 different teams not one person that i've spoken to told me that they actually like the color rush uniforms so it makes me wonder what the hell because <laughs> that's a pretty good consensus 14 for 14 or 15 for 15 no one likes these things but yet we have to suffer through an entire season of watching every, you know, every NFL team wear a color rush uniform this year. Well, you know what it is. It's because it's this artificial excitement sort of because now we're talking about it on a Bears podcast. And every Thursday night, people are going to tune in to see, oh, let's see those color rush uniforms. Let's see the Christmas Bills versus Jets game from last year where they're bright green and bright red. You know, let's see, let's see these yellow Packers. I mean, it's kind of just a gimmick that it at least draws some attention and it doesn't cost – a ton to to do it so i think it gets people talking about it and i'm sure there's a sponsor i think it's tide or somebody like that that you know every time someone says color rush that's getting associated with their name and people are talking about it even if they don't like it it's sort of the there's no such thing as bad publicity idea yeah i mean it's it all just you know it, it to me it's it, jeff dickerson mentioned last night it, it sounds like a money grab uh, to me, not only, do, you know, because of the Thursday night games, but, you know, if some goof out there actually likes these color rush uniforms, that's another, you know, piece of apparel that a fan can buy, you know, on NFL dot com or, you know, whatever to, to, you know, to be able to fill out their their fan apparel closet uh, and everything. So I'm just uh, never not a fan, you know, I, and, and I'm a professed uniform snob and these things offend me like you would not believe. <laughs> that's good to know i'm glad i'm glad we got an expert in the field here of, of uniforms yes i am i i'm i you know I'm, I'm big into like graphic design and i went to school for broadcasting so the visual is very important to me and you know it, the, that game is going to hurt my eyes when i have to sit there and watch i uh, do a 12 big birds on the field when we play the green bay packers on thursday night football not looking forward to it well, and we have seen sort of, I mean, not quite all blue, but we've seen the blue top blue pants from the Bears before. I mean, it's it's not like it's completely unheard of in Bears history, and I wasn't a big fan of them at the time, and I'm kind of hoping, I, you know, I don't know what to expect with these color rush, if they'll be better or worse. I'm, I'm expecting worse just because at least the blue jersey blue pants had some stripes in it, some white and orange in there, but I, I have a feeling this is going to be 
really blue, blue color rush overload. Yeah. Yeah, not looking forward to it either way. So anyway, Lauren, I think that's going to wrap us up. I really appreciate you coming in and, and uh, you know, helping us uh, find our way through this this Bears, uh, this Bears episode. And, uh, you know, what do you say we meet up uh, week nine on that bye week and do a midseason report? It sounds great. I'd love to. All right. Now, that's Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com. You said you guys have a podcast as well. Where can we find that? Um, well, we do, we do little audio clips, and so we're probably going to start up a podcast, but we don't have anything – in necessarily in the works just yet but we we do a lot of audio pieces on bearswire.usatoday.com all right so go ahead and take a look there uh is it on itunes as well or just on the website uh just on the website but it'll probably be up on itunes in a couple weeks here all right sounds good lauren cox bearswire.com check him out and uh we'll see you week nine lauren sounds good thank you (laughs) really enjoyed having lauren on the show look forward to having him back week nine for that mid-season uh, review report whatever you want to call it but uh, the Bears bye week dead center in the middle of the season this year we got eight games in front eight games behind so uh, looking forward to uh, having Lauren back on to see where we are as uh, we go into that bye week uh, for our beloved uh, Chicago Bears so uh, that uh, we had the top of the bread with Jeff An- oh, Jeff Dad, Jeff Anderson where the hell is Jeff Anderson coming from with Jeff Dickerson uh, Lauren Cox the meat of the sandwich now we got to throw that other piece of bread in there just to close up this yummy chewy bears sandwich and our good friend Ron Rugg from Football is America to help us wrap things up with bold predictions. All right, and our third and final guest of this Bears preview episode, our good friend, my my fellow cohort from Football is America, Ron Rugg, fellow Bear fan. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me, and I, I like that you saved the best for last. It's important. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, and some people might argue we've worked our way down because we started with Jeff Dickerson at ESPN. We went with Lauren Cox from uh, Bears Wire at USA Today. Now we're just talking to you. Oh, well, uh, man. <laughs> I, I did that for Kyle. I'm sure he'll love that. I'm sure that, uh, you know, he'll have to get into about an hour and 10 minutes worth of show to get to this point, but I'm sure it'll be worth the wait once he gets to it. So, Well, I'm just really excited to be here and Kyle not. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's also a good thing. But, Which I think uh, at this point you've just taken a stubborn stance that you will never have him on your show. You know what? <laughs> We're going to have to have him on the show eventually if, if for no other reason than to get him to shut up about it. So... We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out at some point. But um, anyway, you're here to help us out with our bold predictions uh, for 2016. And um, you've got a list of them for me. So uh, fire away. What are your bold predictions for 2016, Ron? All right. So my first bold prediction is definitely going to be that. And we'll start here because we're going to start offensive line because it's the part of an offense that most people don't care about. So uh, we'll start with Kyle Long. With returning to his roots at guard, will make himself a Pro Bowl this year. Not exactly bold, but uh, I like it. Yeah, I can definitely see him continuing his string of Pro Bowl uh, appearances uh, for sure. So uh, maybe actually getting voted in this time. As yeah, opposed that's to that's mostly what I being, meant. Being an alternate, yeah, voted right. in that'll that'll work for sure. Yeah. Um, next, I have uh, one that's specifically for Larry, and that is uh, Leonard Floyd will be the reason that Jim Caldwell loses his job. Leonard Floyd will be the reason that Jim Caldwell loses his job. And he'll amass 15 sacks this year. Whoa. Really? Yep. You want it bold. You you called me and you were like, hey, you want to do some bold predictions? And I'm like, sure. I mean, I can get crazy with it. 15? I mean, that's <laughs> that's not bold. That's insane. I don't know if you can do that. But why specifically Jim Caldwell? Um, Because we play the Lions twice a year. I think the first time it happens – that that you know i think math matthew stafford will get sacked a few times um he'll be sore and people will get on the train once again talking about how jim caldwell doesn't know what he's doing that'll that'll happen and then when the bears do it to him again and leonard you know actually could be the first person to murder somebody on a football field um that that'll that'll cost jim caldwell his job uh i i'm not as kind of i guess i'm not as low on him as like you like uh, not you weren't necessarily low. It's just the the kind of the last one you thought that they should pick. Yes. And I think that 
because of the defensive coordinator, and I know we've discussed this many times on our show, um, I think because of the defensive coordinator the Bears have, that he is the style of outside linebacker slash defensive end that is perfect for that pass rush. And we all know that the Lions always have to pass. Right. So, and that's the reason why they never have an offensive line come halfway through the season because they can't run the football and you can't put an offensive line in position to always pass protect. It's not good for them and people get hurt that way. Right. So that's why I think Leonard Floyd come end of the season when the bears play the lions, that he'll be the reason. I think that after that game, after the bears play the lions in that game, I think that's when Jim Caldwell gets fired. All right. All right. So there you have it, folks. Leonard Floyd is the reason Jim Caldwell will be unemployed in the offseason. Next. All right. Next up, I have uh, just a simple one that this um, we all know how good or how we have felt about Ryan Pace, John Fox, and what they've done with the football team, especially with what Ryan Pace has done in the draft. And I, my bold prediction is that this may go down as the best draft class for 2016. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. Um, you know, like I said, the, my my problem was never with Floyd's athleticism or, you know, the things that he did accomplish in Georgia. It was the fact that, you know, he weighs about 212 pounds soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. And we just got done dealing with uh, an undersized pass rusher. You know, I didn't really have a, you know, a desire to watch us do it all over again, regardless of the coaching staff and the system. Uh, that we're in you know we watched it fail horribly the last four years I didn't want to do it again but you know I love the Cody Whitehair pick Jonathan Bullard everybody's raving about that one Kwiatkowski you know he's a fire plug and will probably be a special teams guy and then we don't know who if any of our you know DBs that we drafted might end up being our our starting safety and then of course you got Braverman who's kind of like that dark horse to make the roster and and be our new uh, be our Wes Welker somehow. So. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, especially like what you're talking about, defensive backs. That is just seems like an entire position group that's just wide open right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we know what we have with Kyle, Kyle Fuller. Um, outside of that, like it really could be anybody's game at that point. And For so sure. and I, I think it's going to be really interesting to uh, to see where where a lot of the defensive battles go, because we have such a big changeover. Um, we, we're bringing a lot of guys back, but given what we saw last year there's a lot of places things could move to there's a lot of positions that's kind of up for grabs and i'm i'm interested in that which kind of brings me to a defensive my defensive uh bold prediction and that is that danny trevathan uh Jarrell freeman and parnell mcphee will combine for 15 turnovers and be underestimated until they are the most feared even by rogers yeah yeah i like that 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 works for me. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel that would give you, you know, that would give with, you the tinglys. With, yeah, with with Houston Floyd and uh, you know Willie Young coming off the other edge. Yeah, that that sounds like a nightmare to me too. So I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys can do uh, on defense. I, I think our front seven is going to be going to be a force to deal with this year. I mean, when you're in week two and and you're Carson Wentz staring down that front seven, how scared are you? Well, you're going to be especially scared, especially since Bradford's going to start that game and McPhee's going to snap him in half. And No, confetti, Larry. Confetti. He'll explode into confetti. Because <laughs> he's just a pinata. <laughs> he'll just, yeah, he'll just turn into dust. And yeah, yeah, okay, for sure. But still. <laughs> Monday Night Football, the whole world watching, Joe Theismann Part 2 when McPhee bends him the wrong way. so that, <laughs> Except uh, it's his old body, not just a knee. Right. <laughs> you see his spine sticking out of his neck, and like, oh, wow, that's they're going to have to put a Band-Aid on that. That one looks like it hurts. So, All right. Um, next up I have uh, that new ground and pounder, uh, Jordan Howard, will be this year's um, sniper, is what we call it in fantasy football, as he ah. steals away at least five touchdowns from Langford in the red zone. Yeah, his uh, his low, t- you know, low gravity, you know, thick body. I can definitely see him being the low yardage or the the the, the yeah, I can see him being that guy for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, in fan- we you know as you know, uh, a lot of us play a lot of fantasy football. We're starting one for our show this year, and uh, that is always the number one complaint is 
when somebody has a clear cut starter and the second string guy, because he's just a big dude, gets all of the carries at the goal line. And everybody whines and complains and then, you know, people, you know, cry into their coffee and, you know, it's 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 always a good time for me. Well, I remember that 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 famous stat line that Jerome Bettis had that one one game. He had three carries for negative one yard and three touchdowns. <laughs> wow. You know. Yeah. That's uh that was his stat line for one day. But he still even with the like the negative yard, it still ended up with like eighteen points or something like that. It just for, for, for coming in and, and working on three downs, he, he won somebody a game or two, I'm guessing. Yeah, we I always uh I always enjoyed this this specific scenario because I am smart enough to know who second and third string guys are in that kind of a scenario so that I know that guy's probably going to lose at least five to six touchdowns a year because of the person that's behind him and because of the style of offense they play. So, uh, yeah, that'll be something that I look forward to because I get to watch people cry and that brings me joy for some reason. Okay. Um, next up I have Kevin white will take over as number one wide receiver, uh, lead receiving and be a big contributing factor to Alshon Jeffrey playing for New England as Tom Brady trails off and Robert Kraft explodes because Roger Goodell found another reason to take away their first round draft pick. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't see him going to New England unless he really tanks this year and goes to New England for, you know, veteran minimum or something like that. There's no way that that New England's going to give Alshon the money that he's looking for uh, or anything like that. But I can definitely see, you know, as far as the potential and what everyone's talking about with Kevin White, I could see that happening if it goes that way. Uh, fantastic. Well, right now there's a Vegas betting line on certain things. One of them is free eight or players that did not get a new contract on their franchise tag. And the there's a bunch of bets on over under and what your odds are on a player that decided to play on the franchise tag or a player that is going to have to play on the franchise tag, what their chances of being injured and or not playing this year are. Alshon Jeffrey only gives you 19 to one odds. That's it. Hmm. Because the 19 to one that he makes it through the season, 19 to one that he makes it through the season. Okay. Which to some people seems like it's really good. But when you take into account that they're giving that they, before, uh, before Von Miller got his contract, they were giving him 200 to seven, 207 to one odds. Wow. So mm, <laughs> there's not a lot of confidence in him making it through the season healthy. And I think that, I mean, history is the reason for that. And like I've said plenty of times is that if he comes out and he shoves a great season down the throats of fans and the staff and of all of the naysayers, I'm behind them giving him a top of the league contract. Absolutely. If he goes out there and catches 200 or 200,000, uh, 2000 yards and 20 touchdowns, I mean how are you going to argue with anything like that? Right. I mean that's that's you're never going to I mean that's a career year for most wide receivers ever. So I I just I'm op, I am cautiously optimistic right now. That's what I'm going to say. But Going on, um, let's see, which one do I want to give you? Let's give you that Jay Cutler will regress in talent physically, but take a huge step forward mentally in his game and have the and will lead the league or be in the top 10 in passing yards, touchdowns, and QBR. So you're saying that that he's going to have to not learn to rely on his arm so much. Right, he's going to actually have to be smarter about it. Okay. It's going to the fact that he is he's I mean, he's getting older. He's going to start declining physically. Every quarterback does. What I'm saying is that he's going to finally take notice that he can't do everything with just throwing the ball really hard, you know, really deep and that he actually has to put some touch on it here and there and when he finally learns that that's exactly what he needs to do, that that mental portion of the game is going to be honed in. He'll make better decisions in the pocket with throwing the ball away, with um, changing it at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. So it will actually improve his game, despite the fact that he's declining physically. I'll 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 take that if that's the end result. If that's if that's the end result of him declining physically, then sure, I'll I'll, I'll take that because 
if he's if he does all those things, the Bears have to be successful in there somewhere. So I actually have a question for you then. Because this of course this is the debate that comes up about this time of year every year, which is why do the Bears continue to hang on to Jay Cutler? That's the question that's posed every single year in August. And my question to you is if you could take having the Bears make the playoffs and getting deep a deep run, or Jay Cutler putting up an incredible season, them barely missing the playoffs, but everybody finally shuts up about Jay Cutler, which one would you take? The playoff run. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what I would and, take. And, and, and let me tell you why. Because this is my 10th season doing this show. You know how many playoff seasons I've had in 10 years? One. <laughs> One. One time where I've done a show beyond week 17. So, yeah, I'll take the playoff run and – we can figure out the quarterback situation later. <laughs> well, uh, that is a valid. I mean, it's that's valid. It's Chicago. People are going to complain no matter who the goddamn quarterback is. So <laughs> it it doesn't matter. You know, if it's Cutler, if he gets hurt, they'll find a reason to piss and moan about Brian Hoyer. You know they will. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, they'll they won't shut up with Cutler even after the poor bastard dies. So, <laughs> you know, that will always be out there. There will be people that said we should have gotten rid of him after the the 2010 NFC Championship game. We should have never gave him this contract, blah 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 blah. That debate will go on forever. So, that that won't stop regardless of what the of what amazing season Cutler has. Well, I think we hope for both and Yes. We well we pray for both. We hope we get at least one of those and are prepared if we don't. I think that's the best way to put a Bears fan. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I don't have very many left. Um, Let's see. I will do – yeah, I've got two more left. Um, Okay. I will do actually three, but one of them is fun. So uh, I will do this one. The Bears will make the playoffs as a wild card. At 11 and 5, on the backs of Langford's 1,500 total yards and Zach Miller's 10 touchdowns and sweeping the Packers. But that's it. That's all the Okay. <laughs> There's no well, but. That sounds like a year to me, man. I mean, if we can sweep <laughs> the Packers and win 11 games and go to, as a wild card team, though? Yep. Uh, I think the Vikings are poised to have a pretty big year this year, given the schedule and everything. I think uh, okay. if, if the Bears get in as a wild card, they'll be second in, in the division. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take the – I had pushed the Vikings – I'd put the Bears at 11-5, and five, the Vikings at 12-4 and four with them having the tiebreaker, even if they both had the same record. So um, I just think it's kind of like – after what, what we saw last year, I think it's kind of their year, given what we've seen in the division. I think I'm um, – a little more down on the Packers than I have been in the previous years, just because of some of the turmoil and some of the glaring holes we've seen by just a couple of important players missing last year. And uh, um, I think that the Vikings are built a little better to handle those types of issues. And what the, what they've done in the off season is more interesting. Now, granted we can never count the Packers out ever because they do things. And we're just like, where did they, they kind of have that same Patriots mentality we've always talked about, which is where did they get these guys? And so, I mean, we, we can't ever count them out, but I, uh, I, I had the Bears sweeping them, so I have to put them third in the division. <laughs> so that's kind of the way I looked at it. Well, you know what? I was talking to, to Jeremy Reisman, and we both agreed that one of us, or both of us, not one of us, but we both would love to see an Aaron Rodgers team not make the playoffs. Like, he's healthy. He played all 16 games. They just weren't that good and didn't make the playoffs. I mean, I would like to see that happen once before Rodgers retires. Well, it's happened only once, right? His first year. They were in, in six- 2008, but that's what they were expecting. Right. You know, they, they weren't were really expecting year, right? something like I think yeah. they were actually 8 and 8 or something like that, yeah. but they, you know, they did not make the playoffs and, you know, or or were an early exit if they did make it, but uh Yeah, they didn't have Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb or a running back or anything that year, if I remember correctly. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting year for our division. Um, it's going to be a sad year to watch an AFC game at all. And <laughs> it's going to be an interesting year for our division and maybe the NFC West. 
outside of that, yeah. there's not going to be much much games worth watching. So, I'm sorry if you're a fan of another team. It's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Last last one I got. Okay. Um. Is Charles Tillman recently retired? Hilarious video, by the way. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, will be considered for a coaching job in some way by the end of the year. Well, I think that I read in his press conference that he will not coach. Well, every player that retires says he will not coach. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, even... I can see him doing like a mentoring thing, but I don't know if he would actually be a coach. You don't think he'd do something like... uh, like being an assistant or a trainer in some way for no. like defensive back for a football team of any sort? No. I can I could definitely see him like being, you know, called in to talk to some guys or, you know, something like that. I could definitely see, you know, like a team bringing him in as a guest, you know, to talk to the defensive back room, talk to defenses or something like that. I could see Peanut doing that. Not to mention the guy is going to be working for Fox this year. That's true. So he's – going to be busy doing tv work but as far as uh coaching i don't see i don't see him coaching but i could definitely see him being more of a mentor especially since he had a skill set that few dbs ever had with the with the peanut punch and and all that kind of stuff so i mean he's definitely got some stuff to teach but i don't think he'll end up being a coach so what did you think about the retirement them bringing him back after he went and played uh for carolina last year and everything you were okay with all that it's bittersweet to me because that's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, Erlacher deserved without a doubt. I mean, you can make the argument all day and all night that that Peanut's going to be a Hall of Famer, that he should be. He probably won't be, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, but he got the treatment that a, that a guy like, like Briggs and Erlacher should have gotten. You know, they should have had a goodbye press conference as opposed to making some press release announcement um, you know, Peanut got to come home and, and sign a one-day contract and re- retire with the team that brought him into the league and that he made his name uh, with. So, I mean, I think it all happened the way that it was supposed to or that it should have. And, you know, as much as I liked the guy when he was with the team, it's not something that Phil Emery would have done, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Briggs and Erlacher will retire as Bears anytime soon? Well, I mean, you know, they are both officially retired, right. but I mean, I think it would be cool to do something like that, sure. I think with the people that we have in there now, st- historically, John Fox in his second year takes the team to the playoffs. Um, Ryan Pace has done very good things with the draft and with free agents. The guy was started as a scout. He knows what to look for in a football player, He's and he's known how to evolve in looking for a football player. So I think that's a lot of that is going to be really interesting, and hopefully – one of these guys reaches out to those two guys and says, Hey, why don't you guys come back? We'll do a big dual ceremony type thing. And, you know, we'll have like, you know, they'll do, they'll do like an E, you know, not an ESPN, but they'll do like a, you know, big feature on the website, you know, with a video and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, John Fox already went on record as, as far as welcoming Erlacher back into the building, you know, basically letting him know that he was always welcome there uh, kind of thing, but to, you know, a ceremoniously, you know, end it for those guys and, and do it together, which I think would be poetic, um, I think would probably be a, a, a great way to go as well. Yeah, that would be I'm on board. Let's do it. Let's let's start. Let's start a petition, Larry. Absolutely. OK, we'll, we'll get one. But that's all I got, Larry. That's it. All right. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry for your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that uh, that will do just fine. And, uh, you know, we'll wrap the show up on that. And uh you know, I want to thank Ron for, for being on the show. You can find me and him and our wacky friend Kyle on <laughs> Football is America. Have we gotten that caught up on iTunes yet? Yes, everything is caught up. Yes. Okay, fantastic. So the show that we record this Sunday will be up next week yep. as opposed to five weeks from now. Yes. So that, will, uh, <laughs> that works out uh, pretty well. So you can find Football is America on iTunes. You can always go to footballisamerica.com as well. Uh, to hear me talk about something other than the Chicago Bears. I mean, I know that just sounds crazy, but uh, <laughs> we actually do talk about the other 31 teams uh, in the NFL. So He actually has insight, everybody. I do. I do. I do know stuff outside. You know, because people, 
you know, like I, I started this new job a couple weeks ago. People come to my desk. They see the Bears poster and they see Kiss stuff on my desk. So they automatically assume that my entire universe revolves around those two things and nothing else. You don't need anything so, else, Larry. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I could definitely survive on those two things. But just because they're my favorite things doesn't mean it's the only thing that uh, that I know. I actually do pay attention to the other 31 teams in the NFL and not just when one of those 31 just happens to be playing the Bears. So I mean if I told know. if I told you Larry that we were going to a Bears game, Kiss was going to play the halftime show and there's unlimited french fries, you might explode. Yeah, I I I, I might actually drop to my knees and and pray to God to just, just like this that that would be heaven right there, <laughs> you know. Heaven is French fries while Kiss plays the halftime show at a Bears Super Bowl while so they're that, while they're sweeping that, the Packers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> After they've swept the Packers and they're beating the Patriots five hundred to nothing, <laughs> that would just be awesome. Talk about a career so, year. <laughs> absolutely, that would just be a banner year. I could just go ahead and jump off a cliff after that because it will get no better. <laughs> well. Uh, this is what we pray for. There's it's just, it's the little things in life, Larry. <laughs> yes, the the little things that get you through from one day to the next. So, Ron Rugg from Football is America, Thank you. thanks so much for helping us out. And you know what, folks, that's going to do it. We are going to go ahead and wrap up here. Um, I will be back after the first preseason game when the Bears play the Broncos, August the 11th, so either Friday the 12th, Saturday the 13th. I will be back to review that first game, and we'll probably be talking more about the the bench guys than we will be about the starters, but we'll be talking about a Bears football game, goddammit, and that's really what we're all looking forward to. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.